Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So we are continuing this year of the Bible. Let me encourage you to, to download the app. Go to the Bible app, down, look up the year of the Bible. We're in part four, and you can join us along this journey. God's been really speaking to many. It's been a real help and a, and a, and a, um, a support to many people in their journey with Jesus and in their families. Today, it's a part two, excuse me, it's going to be a two-part message. This is part one. Next week will be part two to the fathers of this, of this church and the fathers of this house. And it's going to be a word that's going to be very, very um, relevant to you. And so let me encourage you, men, come, come hang out, come to church, lead your family on Father's Day that you actually want to be in church and not take a day off from church. Let me encourage you to do that because they're watching you. Just so you know, your family is watching you. Amen. All the men say amen. But today is a, is a message that it's going to be very personal to all of us. And we're going to take a moment also at the end to take communion together. But many times as, as I have, am preparing for these messages and preparing to share what I sense God is asking me to do and to say and to be, there's a sense in my heart, and this is not of any um, any other reason except just to bring clarity to, to what I'm going to share today and next week. I believe that God is, is one of the things that God's asked me to do is to be a, uh, a prophetic type of voice, meaning um, that the grace of God and the, and the anointing of God on my life is able, he's able to use me to cut through the noise of, of culture, the distractions of culture, and expose the strategies of the enemy that, that is laid and set for you and your families. That's my heart. I want you to be prepared. I want you to, to, to know what's actually going on in a spiritual world. And so whether, whether you are single or married or married with children or single parent home or teenager, no matter the age, I believe that God has specifically called this ministry and, and me to, to bring a biblical clarity to the, to the, to the reason and the purpose of, of the church and your life and your home in an age of confusion and in an age of deception. I'd have to say I, I have not, I've never seen deception and confusion in the church as a whole, then I've never seen it at the level that it is today. And the reality is that has a lot to do with what's being preached in the churches. And so I believe that God, God is, is wanting to bring clarity and that I'm to assist you and encourage you and support you and challenge you as well as myself as, as your pastor and as effectively as I possibly can. In the few moments on Sunday mornings, just a few moments, that my job is to, is to not shy away from the truth of God's word by not I'm not to misrepresent the loving and caring instruction of God to you and to myself and to my own family. I am to in no way present God as mean or cranky or a legalist or distant, 
but to present him as the responsible, loving father that he really actually is and wants to be in all of our lives. And though as imperfect as I am, as, as inadequate as I am, God has called me to unapologetically teach and proclaim the whole counsel of Scripture and to humbly give application to our lives as followers of Jesus, no matter how contrary his life-giving truth may be to our culture or even to our traditional norms in church or in, in, in religion, it, it's not to consider those things. And as a teacher and a preacher of, of the Word of God, as a slave of Christ, I don't have the luxury to use God's words as I want. I don't have the luxury to put words in God's mouth or withhold portions of God's words as not so I don't offend or hurt someone. I'm not to withhold the principles of God's Word just because it's uncomfortable. And the book of James, and, and I, just, I sense like, I, as I was preparing for this, I wanted to share this with you today because it burns at me. And I want you just to know a little bit of, of my heart. In the book of James, he's writing to a church that was primarily made up of Jewish followers of Jesus. And in chapter three, in the context of being aware of the words that come out of your mouth, he writes this in James 3.1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And so James is saying, if you're going to teach the word of God, if we're going to preach the word of God or words of God to God's people, you have to have a sense of seriousness involved. Yes, it, the word of God is fun. It's, we have a great time here. We, it's, it's all of that, all E, all of the above. But a teacher of God's word, just so you're aware can selfishly teach or use God's word to their own advantage by appeasing the consensus of the audience in order to increase or in order to not go down in number and in order to, to, to get more people in, in the building. And some can use God's word, and I've been a part of ministries like this, wrongly to control and to manipulate people. It's a, it's a thing of power or selfishness. And I say all that this morning because of the topic that we're talking about and what I'm going to be talking about next week as well. So as we journey through the Bible, there is a specific leaning that God deals with at certain points at certain times. And the thing we're going to be dealing with today in, from the scriptures is the households of God's people, the families. And the issues in our world and in our society has a lot to do with the breakdown of households, the breakdown of families. We have children who lack parenting. We have children who lack role models of what a man is or what a woman is or what a husband is to be and what a father is to be, and what a, a mother is to be and a wife is to be. But we, we lack models. And the lack of, there, there's a lack of God-ordained order in the home. And all of that is, has slowly eroded over time. And there has been a, an aggressive absurdity to remove all these roles that God ordained and established in his word. 
particularly to the church. Because the families of God in the church are the ones who are to carry out what God's called you as leaders in your home or leaders in your own life to bring forth transformation and change in the world that we live in. Christians, we love to blame the world. We love to point the finger at the world, but here's the reality. The world is lost and in need of Jesus. The world who isn't following Jesus cannot produce good fruit. It is that silly. It's like, it's like that we're expecting the world to produce fruit that's life-giving and righteous when they are lost and slaves to sin. So the job of the, of, the, of the producing of good fruit on the earth is solely ordained for Christians and Christian households. Amen? And so all of these roles are under attack. Male, female roles, husband, wife roles. And it's the intent of the enemy to use culture to attack the very core, the very foundation of humanity and common sense as a whole. And my greatest concern for our society is not that the unsaved act unsaved. My greatest concern is the households of God's people are not looking different than the households of those who don't know God. My greatest concern for this nation, my greatest concern for the gospel, my greatest concern for generations to come is the families that call themselves Christians and that household and how it functions. The households of God are to be different than the world. We've been studying how God has set apart the children of Israel to be what? To be different. To come out from among the lostness of the world and be different and be a light that shines. And, and even as the nations of the world look to Israel in the old covenant, there is a, a sense of curiousness. There's a sense of a blessing that is on them because they are living according to the ways of God. And I, that is to be also for our families and our church. And so God is inviting us to be Christian households that are different than the world. We are to be smarter than the world to discern a truth from a lie. We are to be able to, to discern indoctrination and, and deception and to acknowledge that it has infiltrated and seduced certain people or certain families into believing maybe that the core values and the order of a household and of those who don't belong to God are appropriate and even righteous and even loving for the households of God that do belong to God. And so the message today, next week, is very controversial, especially in the households of those who are victims of the enemy and don't know Jesus yet. But the unfortunate thing is this message is controversial in the church. It's controversial to the households of families of our church because God's biblical order of the household and of the family has faded into the cultural norm 
And many of the teachers of the Bible don't touch on this because it's controversial. And if you build a ministry on the preaching of all the power and the, and the provision and the, and, the, and the wonderfulness of God, which it's all true, and you don't also teach truth, what happens is when you start teaching truth, it's called church growth in reverse is what happens. So we come today to Deuteronomy 6. And the message from God through Moses is about families. These people have come through a lot. They've, they're done wandering in the wilderness. The generation that complained and grumbled and moaned and whined. Who could have had God's best for them. Who could have had everything that God had for them. They weren't able to go in, so they had to keep wandering. And so those people are dead now. And they're almost at the promised land, and they're all anticipating the relief of the wilderness into what God has for them. But before they can possess, before they can walk in the blessing of God for their families, everybody say family. So again, this has nothing to do with whether you, you actually are, are married or you're a teenager or you're single or you're with children. This is for all of us. We need to come into alignment with God's purpose for families, for all of us in the church. But before they step in to receive the blessing for their families, God needs to teach them how their families are to operate. So God's blessing will be a continuation for generations to come because God cares about generations, amen? He cares about your children's children's children. But here's the reality. We are responsible to pass on what God has done in our lives to the next generation. And God is preparing them so that they can continue to live in the land of God's promises. We have received for us on, in the new covenant, we've received the promise of salvation. We have received the promise of God's provision. We've received the promise of forgiveness. We're walking in clarity. We receive the word of God. We receive all of that. Here's the reality. It is our job as leaders to the next generation to pass on what we have received. And sometimes that is not easy, but we have a responsibility. And so God is laying out this responsibility. So God tells Moses, hey Moses, before they can go in, before they can actually possess the land, I want them to have my blessing for generations to come. I want you to tell them these things. Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse one. Now this is the command, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land you are going over to possess it. So this is for the purpose, this is how I want you to act in the land. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, and your son's son by keeping all his statutes with his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. So he doesn't say, I've got some rules and statutes to limit you, to restrict you, to keep you from actually living life. No, 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 no. I've given you rules and statutes so that you may live a long, good life. This is important that we understand this. 
The reality of, of the blessings, the statutes, and the commands, and the truth of God's word is not to limit anyone. Though the world will tell you that, and there is a theology in the church that will tell you that, the reality is the statutes and the truth of God's word are not to limit people. They are to prolong their life so they can have an actual blessed life and experience everything that God has for them. That goes the same for our children. Amen? Verse 3 says, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Be careful to do them that it may go well with you. There it is again. If you will do this, it's going to go good for you. It's going to go well for you. And that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. There is nothing in this, no tone in this passage that is a negative about God's statutes, his truth, his word, his commands. Nothing. It's all like, because I want you to prosper, I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some guardrails that's going to allow you to experience generational blessing that your son's son, son is going to have this blessing because you're going to come into alignment with it. And so the first thing that God tells them to do, he tells them, I want you to listen. I want you to listen to the truth of God's word. He says this, hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Why would he say that? The truth is this, remember they were among the nations and so he's saying, the Lord your God is one. The rest of the nations worship multiple gods. The rest of the nations worship this God and that God. The rest of the nations have this type of God and this type of God to do this and then this type of God that's gonna help them with this. But you are to be different. Everybody say different. Because you serve the one true God. In other words, the households, the families of, of your nation, of you as, as the children of Israel, you are to be different than the nations of the world who don't know me. It is the same in our families, that our families are to be different. God was reminding them, hang on, before you can go in and before your, your generational blessing can continue after you, you need to understand your families need to operate differently than the families of the world who don't know God. You are different. So the truth had been given to them. The truth had been taught to them. He had, he had shown them the truth. He had written it to them. Same way with us. The truth has been taught to us. It's been written to us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. But here's the deal. Sometimes in the midst of all of that, we can still miss it. And I think what God is saying here, what I believe he's saying, listen, listen, don't miss this. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. I want you, don't you, don't, don't. Don't miss this. I want you to live it out because I want you to be blessed. I, I want this truth to be applied to your life, to your decisions, to your family, how things run in the home, how, how decisions are made. In your daily life, in your heart, in your soul, I want, I want you to set it up as your life mission. Okay, families? And they go, okay, got it. 
Don't miss this. Hear this. Listen. And we live in a day and age, friends, that followers of Jesus, we hear a lot of stuff, don't we? We hear from the world. We hear from the latest, most popular voices. We hear from our own flesh. We hear from our own pride. We, uh, we, we hear from our own fears. We, we hear from that which was modeled and the function of our families. We hear that while we're living out our family. We also hear the truth though, and we hear God's word, and we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. But there's a difference though, I want you to catch this, there's a difference between hearing and listening. You can talk to a child and you go, did you hear me? Uh Uh-huh. No, were you listening? Because I said, hey, can you go and do X, Y, and Z? And you went and did Z. You heard me, but you didn't listen. And there's a difference between hearing and there's a difference between listening. We are living in a day and age where we, we must decipher the difference. Am I hearing the truth of God's word or am I listening to the truth of God's word? We must decipher and examine our homes, our families, our hearts, our minds. Am I I hearing God's word in my family or am I listening to it and applying it in my family? And when, particularly even when a message that maybe doesn't align with what we want to hear, it's going to require some change. It's easy to deafen our ears to to the message Because it's not easy. It's not easy. And God begins this passage of his precious people because he wants them to actually be blessed. I want you to listen. They're to be different. So I want you to catch this. In order to possess and experience what God has for you, your children, the generations that are in this church, the next generation, the greatest blessing that we could give them and you could give your children is not a home which you are hands off and your children choose their own attitude, choose if they want to go to church, choose if they want to be respectful or not, choose if they want to honor God, choose if they're going to respect mom or going to respect dad. Choose whether they're going to choose if I obey you or not. The greatest blessing is not to have a home where they can choose if they want to gossip and talk about inappropriate things or if they can curse or if they can choose if I'll do whatever I want. And you say, well, they're going to have to choose, so I want to give them a safe environment to choose. That's not what God said. He said, if you actually care, if you actually care about the generation that's next, you need need to teach them to listen. You need to... Show them what it means to not just hear, but listen. Why? 
so that they can be blessed, so that you can have grandchildren that actually serve the Lord, so you can have great-grandchildren who serve the Lord. It is, this is the way, it is somewhere in our, in our Western, it's just the, the, the Western thought. It's that, no, no, I can't, I can't put my faith on my child's faith. I remember a long conversation I had with a, with a man, and we were talking about faith, and he said, he said you know, I, I don't, I just, it's not my place to, to teach my children about God. They're going to have to discover that themselves. And I said, would, would, would you, I said, I said, let me ask you this, do you teach your children to look both ways before they cross the street? Well, yeah. Okay. Why? Well, because, it, you know, it'll protect them and preserve them from harm and even dying. Okay. Wouldn't you teach, teaching them about what is actually true and you know it to be true, wouldn't that be the responsible thing to do as a parent? That you would teach them the ways of God, you'd demonstrate to them, you'd encourage them, you'd say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord so that it would preserve them from pain and harm and eternal damnation? Somewhere we have bought into the lie that as, as one generation, we are not to teach or teach them to listen about what it means to follow God. If we actually love our children and love the generation in this church, the next generation, more than We'd have to love them more than our own humanistic ideology. And we teach them, hey, listen, the rest of the world doesn't know Jesus, and they may act like that, but as for me and my house, we're not acting like that. We do it with love. We do it with grace. But we do it with the heart that I want you to be blessed. I want you to reap the benefit of what God has provided for me, and I'm going to give it to you. We listen to God. God's families listen to him. We obey his word. We don't allow the voices of friends, the voice of the world, the voice of culture, our own brokenness to be what we listen to. We listen to God's voice. And as the leader or co-leader, whether in this church or in your home, because I love God, number one, and because I love you, and because I want to see my grandchildren reap the spiritual benefit of the teaching and the promises of God, we will listen to his word. We need, we need families today who, are, who have courage. We need families today and I know many of you are doing this in your home. Even when it's difficult, you're doing it. But if we want them to be blessed, we must understand this is how we bless our children as we teach them to listen. The second thing that God tells them that they're going to have to do if they want the blessing of generations to be in God's promises, to inherit it. This is number two, they're going to have to love. And he, 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 he describes what that means to love. 
He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. There are a lot of definitions of love that Christian families have to sort through, but there is one love that without it, no, no other love will ever be what God intended it to be until you get this first love understood. For a household, for an individual, the question about love that matters the most is, are you loving Jesus? Are you in love with Jesus? In the old covenant, it's you shall love the Lord your God. But what this means is, are you loving Jesus? In, in other words, this means a, a decision. Like for you and your household, we love Jesus in this household. We love Jesus in this house as this church. In other words, the decision has been made. The line has been drawn. The die has been cast. The bridges of allegiance to, to all others has been burned, including to my own flesh and my own self. And God, through his son, Jesus Christ, is the God of this house, and his son has purchased us with, with his blood. Therefore, we will love him with our actions. And the efforts and the actions, what this means of your life, what love looks like is there is a loyalty. There is a commitment to God's word. There's a commitment to get things right. There's a commitment to teach your children. There's a commitment to live your life in a way that's honoring to the Lord. There's a commitment that when you stumble and when you fall, which all of us will, we will, we will come back because of our love and we will say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. Lord, help me, give me wisdom as I navigate and as I pursue to teach my children in the spirit of you, Jesus, and with the truth of God's word. Jesus said this out of John 14. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Love looks like something. And the next generation, one, we need to model that. But the next generation needs to understand that love looks like something. For you as a parent or as a leader to the next generation, whatever that capacity may be, your job is to teach what love means. Because I love you, you're better than this. You need to knock that off. Because I love you, I don't care what your teacher said. The Lord says this about your life and who you are. The Christian households and churches have been overcome with the spirit of intimidation. Well, I can't say that. I, I, I can't, we can't preach that. We can't read that scripture in, in church. We have, we have been intimidated by a spirit of intimidation. And God has not given us a spirit of intimidation, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We, if we lead our family intimidated, guess what? They will live intimidated. 
This next generation needs to see some, some men and some women with some backbone and in the spirit of love. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying be cranky and mean. I'm saying with a backbone that says this, uh-uh, uh-uh. Let me, let me show you what it means to not compromise. This is what it means. This is the truth. That's a lie because the Bible said. So the question is, do you love Jesus? Not do you say you do, do you love him? Does Jesus receive the affection of your life? Is a genuine, authentic love for Jesus celebrated in your home? Is it affirmed? Is it talked about? Are there other things you celebrate more than a child or the next generation's passion for Jesus Christ and their affection to him? These are real questions. Is there a loyalty to the word of God in your life that you, that you, you ask the Lord to help you walk in? Do you ask your children, now catch this one. Do you ask your children, hey, how's your love for Jesus? And you can ask it different ways, but do you check in on how is your love for Jesus? When's the last time you asked your grandchild, hey, how are you and Jesus doing? Are you in love with Jesus? And talk to them about Jesus. Talk to them about, about his plans for them. Talk to him about what he means to you. Do you love him? There needs to be a, a clarity in our churches and in our homes that we have decided to follow and love Jesus. And there's no turning back. We're moving on. And it's, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. This is, there's no turning back. Yes, and though none go with me, still I will follow. Our next generation needs to see some leaders that act and talk like that. And the last thing, God says, he says first, he says, listen, he says, love. He says, listen, love. And I want you to have a generational blessing. I want that for you and your families. I've been in ministry long enough to know this. The families that don't show what it means to listen, hear God's word, apply God's word in the home, apply God's word in the marriage, apply God's word in the roles of male and female and husband and wife, apply God. Those who don't do that, the families who don't say, hey, no, I, I know we don't have to go to church, but we get to, get your butt up, we're going to church. The families who don't do that are the families that have generations of, generations who aren't serving the Lord. If you love your children, you teach them these things. If you hate them and despise them, then don't.
And he says, number three, you need to teach. This is, this is, this is personal for us today. We need to teach. And this church with the next generation, with our Christian households, we need to teach. He says, you shall teach them. You shall teach them. What? What's he talking about? He just said his words, the word, his instructions, what he, what he has told them. You should teach them diligently. Everybody say diligently. This is a responsibility. Diligently. Diligently. That looks like something. To your children. And you shall talk of them. What? What's them? The truth of God's word. When you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Or we could scratch that and say, only on Sundays. That's not an only on Sunday kind of thing. What you hear on Sundays here at Faith is to affirm the principles and the truth of what you have taught your children throughout the week. It's not to be the first time they've heard the Bible is the truth. It's not the first time they are to see a Bible or the first time to read scripture. It is to be in your household. The teaching of the next generation is the substance of your life. It's of your words, it's of your conversations. It's at dinner time. It's in the car, it's in the living room, it's in the kitchen, it's in, it's in your social posts, it's in the movies you watch. It's in the scenes that you don't fast forward. It's actually also in the scenes that you do. It's in the phone calls they overhear. It's in the, it's in the prayers that they hear you pray. It's in your repentance when you fail. It's of what you don't allow to go unchecked in your house. It's, the, it's taught, you are teaching when you correct the lies of the world, regardless of how uncomfortable they are. It is taught by the love that you showed when there was a conflict and the humility that you, that you showed when you were angry and you maybe got a little hot, then you're like, I'm so sorry, that was inappropriate. It's the I'm sorry's that you said when you were wrong, when you weren't honoring. You're teaching them. God says if you want to dwell, if you want your children to dwell in the land of his promises, of his inheritance, of his blessing, if you want generations to come, if you want grandchildren who are in, in, in heaven with you, if you want to see generations meet you there, listen to God. Don't look the other direction. Don't buy into the lie that culture dominates your home. Jesus dominates your home. Make that known. <laughs> Demonstrate what it means to love Jesus. Teach your children. This is what it means to be a Christian household. And when your young men grow up and get married, they lead a Christian household. 
When your young women grow up and get married, they help lead a Christian household. And then they listen. And then they show how to love. And then they teach. And then their children do the same. This is the call of the local church to raise up the next generation so that they can raise up the next generation so that they can raise up the next generation so that we can inhabit and possess everything that God has for us on this earth and in eternity. That's the purpose. And what happens is, is when we think the blessing of God is just for me, just for me, just me. Well, you better figure it out because I got it. You better figure it out. No, 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 no. That's called irresponsibility. We teach it. We share. We demonstrate. We give. We're a part of the next generation. Right now, right now, Faith Bible Chapel, which is Faith Church now, just because you didn't know that. Faith Church. The worst thing we could do is think this church is about me. That's not what God has said. We are responsible for the next generation. In our homes, in this church, in this ministry, with our grandkids. The Christian home is the incubator of the character of the next generation. So here we are this morning, challenged deeply, challenged to the core of who we are. I would say probably in a room like this, there's some of you who are, you're feeling condemnation because you're like, well, I should have and I didn't. And listen, if you were in Christ, condemnation doesn't belong to you. It's, it's, not, it's, not, even, it's not even a thing. It can't attach to you, can try to intimidate you, but it's, no, no. But we learn from it by the grace of God. And we say, from this point on, I'm going to do something. There's also maybe some of our families here, we realize we have been seduced by the world. And we are a Christian family by word, but not by listening and doing. It's easy to be a Christian family by word. It's easy. It takes leadership to be a Christian family that listens to the Word of God. And so if you find yourself today, like, you know what? It's time that we listen. If you love your children, you will. If you love your grandchildren, you will. It's, but the reality is now is the time to say, Lord, your word has cut me and I realize it's time. Listen, this is incredibly hopeful because the Lord has given you time 
He's giving you an opportunity. And by his grace, he will help you. This might mean realigning husband-wife roles. We have an epidemic of the church where men don't know how to lead their homes and women don't really want them to. There is a spiritual authority that flows down from the one who God says, hey, you're the head of the house. I don't wanna be, God's like, I don't, don't matter. That's how I set it up. And so if a husband is not leading a Christian in a Christian home, the family is not receiving the blessing that God has for them. That's just the way it is. And maybe there have been things that we, it's just we've gotten out of order. We have, we have been seduced by the world. I know there are areas in my life that's happened in my family. I've had to, we've had to come into alignment. Cheryl and I have had to talk through some things. It happens. But the, you know what else happens? The restoration and grace of Jesus Christ. When you go, oh Lord, can you help us here? We have, uh, we've, we've, uh, help us. Because sometimes in my family, it is a bit like, ugh, Lord, help us. And that's okay. We then just say, Lord, I submit my family to you. I submit who I am. Can you help me? This isn't about legalism, not about effort. It's just about participating with what God has put in front of us to be families that raise godly young men and women. And so, maybe the Lord's convicting you and realigning you. Receive it with joy. You know what that means if you're being convicted right now? It just means you belong to him. That's what it means. And receive that. It also means what you're sensing and want to change, if you are convicted, that it's possible for it to change. Because he's the one doing the work. Maybe you, we, Maybe there are these areas it's time that we would examine our own homes and our own families and say, Lord, where have we been seduced? Where have we been indoctrinated? So if we can, let's all stand to our feet. We're going to end our time in communion. But before we come to communion, Paul instructs us that we would just examine ourselves. That's it. Lord, is my heart right? Am I dependent on you? Have I been seduced by the world? Is there some belief and thought that some woman or some movement has affected how I see myself as a, if you're a female, as a female, or is there some, some experience for you as a man that you think you're acting this certain way and you think I gotta be this certain way when really, no, that you're, you're, just, you're just being seduced by some other idea and thought. And for us as men and women to come into alignment with what God has called us to be means we're going to step into what God has for us, his blessing for you. But is there anything the Lord wants to, or the Lord is asking you that you would ask him to come and cleanse, forgive, restore, and set you on a new path. So just right where you are, just bow your heads just for a moment. And the Holy Spirit is gentle. And the Holy Spirit is loving. And He is calling you to step into a new world of blessing.
So whatever that area may be, just right now, just ask him to cleanse you. Ask him to give you a new mind, a new heart, a new soul, and to give you the courage, the humility, to follow what he has for you. Even if your children are out of the house, God still wants to use you. Even if you don't have any children, God wants to use you. Even if you're single, God wants to use you. If you're married, God wants to use you. But it starts with the alignment. And so, Lord, right now, we just come before you. We ask you, Lord, before we come and take communion, that you would speak to us. Lord, forgive us for really, God, even unknowingly stepping into a... um, an ideology of the world that's not even in, your, in the Bible. God, forgive us and protect us, Lord, from doing that again. Lord, I ask you that you would cleanse me, you would forgive me, that you would work in my life, you'd work in my family. Lord, I ask you that you would help me to raise my children so that they could inherit. Everything that you have for them. Lord, I ask you today that you would help me and that you would work on my behalf as I humbly say yes to what you're asking me to do. And so, Lord, I thank you for your grace that's inviting me to be the leader that I've always wanted to be. And I say yes to you today. I say yes to you. Just right where you are, just tell them yes. We say yes to you. For this church, we say yes to you, oh God. And so now, Lord, we come to take communion, to celebrate what you've done for us and that you have given us a promised land of blessing. And so, Lord, as we come, may you fill our hearts with great joy and hope. In Jesus' name, amen.